RCR with Paul Brennan, Reality Check Radio. Well, recently we've been talking about uh, plans here at a discussion stage with the Department of Internal Affairs at the moment on combating mis- and disinformation here in New Zealand. Well, it's further down the track in Australia. Um, there's a bill that uh, is in the works that does the very same thing as I just mentioned, combats mis- and disinformation, and it will bestow powers on ACMA, which is the Australian Communications and Media Authority, uh, which will have them going after people. Platforms pretty similar to ours here in New Zealand, I would imagine, um, who are apparently spreading mis- and disinformation, if you can ever uh, nail down uh, what that actually means. Peter Pham is a human rights lawyer with the law firm Matt's Method. It's his law firm, and he's just completed, headed up a submission on the bill. And he joins us now from Australia to talk about it. Peter, welcome to Reality Check Radio. Nice to have you with us. Great to be here. Thank you, Paul. Okay, first question. Is any of this necessary in the first place? <laughs> I know you're submitting to it, and it's a great submission. I've uh, sort of skimmed yeah. through it, a lot of uh, detail in there. But is any of this needed? Well, only if you're trying to um, secure unilateral power over the dissemination of information in a society. Right. That's the only reason it would be necessary. It's certainly not necessary for keeping people safe, which is the justification they try to give. Um, yeah, what do, what does safe, the word safe and harm mean? And what, what meaning have they given those words? Uh, well, they haven't really. Um, there's a very, very vague um, definition of serious harm in the bill, which refers to particular situations in which someone hypothetically might be in danger, such as um, if it's something to do with a, a public emergency or something that deals with extreme violence or something that... Um, but, uh, aren't there laws addressing that already? Yes, and... Um, in addition, when you look at the, that criteria, anything could be said to meet that criteria if you if you bend it in a particular way. And that's the way that it's drafted. It's a very amorphous, vague piece of legislation, which always makes me suspicious about the intent of the drafters. Yeah, because uh, it seems to be, if you read between the lines, if you're like me, it's all about feelings mm. in the end. Uh, am I right? I mean... Even hurting someone's feelings is like a terrible, violent thing now, or could be blown up to be there. Um, I, I certainly think that the way that the bill is drafted, almost anything could be said to meet the criteria of serious harm. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Okay, so when you go about making a submission to something like this, where do you start? Well, um, I think there's 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 different utility to making submissions. So I don't personally really think that the Department of you know Communications is going to read my submission. And with the caveat, I should say I, I put a lot of effort and time into my submission. It's very long, and I put a lot of effort into it. But nonetheless, I don't think they're going to read it and suddenly be converted to my church. <laughs> I don't right. think they're going to pay much attention to it at all. Um, but the reason that I made a submission is because I'm encouraging everybody to make submissions. Um, 
if they're flooded with 1,000 or, or 10,000 submissions, they have to publish the submission. So what's already happened is the deadline's been pushed back. It was August 6, but they've got they've gotten so much so many submissions put in, they just can't administratively process it all. So they have to push it back. So the deadline is now August 20. But if we blow that up as several times, it it's a form of letting them know that we're watching them, that many more people are now paying attention to the kinds of legislation that they try to pass, particular in, particularly in times of perceived or alleged crisis because that's always when these kinds of bills go through. It's there's misdirection. Everybody's looking over there, and then there's this bill you didn't hear about at two a.m. in the morning being voted on. Um, so things have changed now. People are much more suspicious of the of the new laws in particular that um, parliaments try to push through, and there is a lot more eyes on this process than there would have been three or four or five years ago. And that is ultimately what's important in any kind of um, resistance against a, a an overreach. It's people power that can turn it around. I'm always curious um, to um, find out, uh, you know, the re response to this question. Who are these people? Who are they? Are they like everyday bureaucrats? Are these zealots? Are they? Do they have a history of? wanting to control the world? Have you identified, you know, who these individuals are pushing this or is it like some sort of amorphous blob of of bureaucracy? Um, there, are, there are, I think that there are layers to it. There are the um, politicians um, and members of government departments who are on a, I guess, governmental level um, and it could be for multiple reasons, um, trying to gain more control over the people and over the population through um, impositions that are legislative impositions like this bill, but also through um, supporting certain technology-based apparent solutions to apparent problems or um, pushing us towards digital forms of currency um, and um, digital identities that are tied into that form of currency. Um, that's all, all of those things are strategies that if you reverse things and think, why would somebody implement this? The reason is very obvious. It's because they want to have more control over what's happening over um, the population, um, which is a strategy that many governments of the past have attempted um, usually desperately to retain control when things are getting away from them. Um, that's what I think is, is happening here on a government level. Um, are there things happening internationally? Absolutely. There's, it's no coincidence that the bill that we're talking <laughs> talking about today, although I'm going on many tangents, I'm conscious of that, but it's no, it's no coincidence that an equivalent piece of legislation has just passed in Canada Right, and, it, and it's become law. And it's very similar. It's very similar. And, you, you know, you're in New Zealand where there's very similar legislation being considered, um, although, as you said before, we're a little further along the process. But, but that really doesn't matter in the end, does it? What's it? Not really. Like six months a year here or there. No. So this is like a global lockstep or applying to our sort of countries anyway, lockstep move. 
Yeah, I mean, looks like it. I think yes, and I'm sure um, most of your audience will will know about the um, the World Health Organization and the World Economic Forum, the UN Sustainable Development Goals, yep. and the clear um, documented public plans to push um, the the globe in a particular direction, and it's a more um, technocratic. Um, um, international um unilateral type of um governance that is being pushed onto us i guess if you're going to try and control people to that level you need to limit any oppositional arguments or rhetoric or anything so you need to have a regime like this don't you to shut people up yes yeah that's part of the the, the sort of the one of the cogs in the machine of that. Well, yes. Um, I mean, it's. I think that over the past few years, um, people have, for the most part, begun to question the traditional forms of, of um, information receipt, let's say, that we receive. Mainstream media, everybody knows that mainstream media is unreliable and corrupt and, and, and everything else. Everybody, it doesn't matter what your political opinions are or how awake, quote unquote, yeah. you are. Everybody knows the mainstream media is absolutely um, bought and sold. Um, over the past few years, a lot more people than in the past have begun to question the information coming out of government because we repeatedly on a daily basis, saw politicians coming onto our TV screens and assertively giving statements that they said were evidence-backed. And we all witnessed in real time all of those assertions being revealed as lies. Some of us yeah. already knew they were when they... So they were, lying to- they were lying. They were lying. Yeah. Be yeah, they were lying. Yeah, lying every day, every day repeatedly. So now the whole population is saying, hang on, these politicians that I sort of blindly trusted before because of our proclivity in Australia, at least to blindly trust authority, uh, that might come from the fact that we're a prison colony where there's convict office, uh, convicts and prison officers, and that's the dynamic that still exists today in this country. Um, do you think that are beginning to do, question. do you think that still exists? Just it seems you mentioned. I'll ask ask you. I've heard yeah. that said before. Is that still a kind of a mentality? Yeah, Australia is um, absolutely structured like a prison. The, wow. um, I mean, I'll give you a funny example because uh, this happened the other day. I was driving on the on the motorway, and there's these huge billboards with these intimidating police officers, and they're holding handcuffs, and and the the, the writing on the billboard is "Stop it or cop it." It's like how infantil- infantilizing is that to the population? It's the yeah. way that you speak. Bullying. Well, it is that as well, and it's yeah. it's authoritarian. Like yeah. Stop it or cop it. Not not you know the messaging could be something. Like, I'm not saying this would work, but in, in a different kind of system, it might be um, you know s- slow down out of consideration for others, or you know yeah. what I mean. It's so it was purely a traffic um, management message in the end. Yeah. Yeah. Over the top, right? It's a silly example of something that pervades this this society, which is there's people who um, meet out rules in a very firm, very strict way, and there's people who sort of meekly follow them. Right. Um, And it's a very stark divide here. That's interesting. 
Okay, so to have a regime like this, it must bang up against, you know, traditional concepts concepts of human rights, human rights laws, and I suppose you've got a constitution there. It must uh, it certainly impinge on some elements of that. So tell us about where those things collide here. Yeah, um, well, this is a... This can be a long answer. Um, Australia doesn't have a very good human rights uh, protection framework in general. Um, we have certain mechanisms built into the structure of government that are supposed to afford human rights protection. So one example of that is is something called the separation of powers. So the courts are entirely independent of the uh, executive so that if the executive oversteps their lawful authority, which they do all the time, the courts can independently pull them in line via a citizen potentially filing a judicial review, which is an application for um, some kind of government decision to be annulled on the basis of a, a jurisdictional or a legal error. Right. So, so that's what um, um, that's what we were doing in Australia to try to challenge the provisional approvals of the COVID jabs in the federal court and the high court. We said those decisions were infected with legal error um, because the Therapeutic Goods Administration here very clearly didn't follow the processes for provisionally approving a drug that are in the Therapeutic Goods Act. So, but, but when we asked the court to recognise that, um, an interlocutory issue was formed, um, which was an uncharacteristic thing to happen in, in um, the process of running a case like this in court. And carved out from the regular case, from the regular from the rest of the case, which wouldn't usually happen. And then we were forced to have a hearing on this technical legal loophole that had been created. And they never let us get to our actual hearing where we could have presented 2,000 pages of evidence. Okay. So if something like that happens, it it I begin to question mechanisms like the separation of powers. Are they really independent? Can a judiciary that ultimately is appointed by a government um really give independent arbitration on those government decisions. Anyway, that's one mechanism of human rights protection. Um, we are also parties to the seven international treaties and, co and covenants, the International Covenant on Civil and Political Rights, for example. Australia signed all of those. We were one of the first in the room um, telling everybody else to sign it. Um, but even though we've covenanted into those treaties and covenants, we've never ratified them properly into our domestic law. So they're ultimately powerless. And that's that's been the problem over the past three years where very clearly under the ICCPR, um, you can't be subjected to medical or scientific experimentation without your consent. There's no, it's a non-derogable principle. There's no exceptions to it. Uh, it's based on a much older non-derogable human right, which is the right to your own person, the right to your own body. That's much older than the ICCPR, but the ICCPR is the modern distillation of that or ancient sacred human principle. Um, even the ICCPR doesn't give exceptions to that one. They do for other rights. But nonetheless, Australia has not ratified, has not created, what that means is we haven't created a domestic law that actually formalises and enshrines that international agreement into our law because we're still a sovereign nation state and there isn't, for now, this might change very soon, there isn't some international police force that will come and punish us for not following the ICCPR. So um, we have them, we've signed them, we've covenanted into them, but we're currently showing the rest of the world that our word doesn't mean anything by flouting them 
um, in in multiple ways, and then using the excuse that we haven't ratified them into our domestic law, which is a very odd argument for somebody who promised to uphold something to make. So a lot of talk, not much walk, is, is what you're saying. Yeah, you know, that's a great summary. That's a great summary. That's yeah. Great. And our constitution doesn't, we don't have a bill of rights like you guys, you know, we can argue. Yeah, mind you, what's that worth? Yeah, exactly, exactly. You know. Um, but but we also don't have a constitution that um, enshrines any human rights. There's one human right that's apparently in our constitution, the High Court said, and it's the right to freedom um, of political communication, just which is obviously related to this bill, and we can talk about that. Um, but other than that, there's no human rights. That are, our constitution wasn't meant for um, giving people rights. Like the US, for example, was created in a context of a revolution where a group of people who had just had their rights pretty severely affected were like, stuff that, let's create our own country. So they yeah. were pretty mindful and cognizant of let's try to protect everybody's rights. Whereas, again, Australia, prison colony, prison officers and convicts. There were no rights. There's no rights. We don't care about rights. The Constitution is about how do we structure a country and, and make it run, essentially. It's a, it's a governance document. So... Um, we don't have very good human rights protections here is the short answer to that question. Just thinking of John Farnham's, you're the voice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah right. Yeah. Okay. Um, so um, you just mentioned something before that I wanted to, um, um, that you said we could talk more about. Maybe you can remind me of of, of what that was. But anyway, um, I think overall you say in your submission that this is just unworkable. It's unworkable. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. how could they ever make something that's unworkable workable? I mean, well, you're setting it up, you're setting yourself up for epic problems, surely. Absolutely, absolutely. Not 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 least of which the problem that the the legislation is so vague and it's so amorphous. The freight the terms in the legislation don't mean anything there's no they're, they're undefined there are undefinable terms in the legislation that they're relying on to make the whole thing work such as the definition of misinformation which is a non-definition because it includes terms within it that are not themselves defined so something's misinformation if it's not true um what does that mean or, or if it's misleading what the hell does that mean what's misleading what's not true so we don't have a definition of misinformation. We just have this weird. So what that's going to result in is um, two things. One, in if the system is corrupt, um, it allows the um, the people who are using this legislation to enforce power on the population, which in this case would be ACMA, to say whatever they want fits within the boundaries of the bill. So that might have something to do with the intention of the drafters. But what it will also result in is um lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of litigation arguing about the definition of the terms and that's not good for the government because it's costly it's time consuming um we still have a legal system where a citizen can pretty freely bring something to court you need a lot of money unfortunately it's well a, that's that's a barrier it is a barrier but i believe that uh, enough of the if we're talking about this uh, we're talking about strategic litigation, let's say, to challenge, maybe we're not talking about this, but strategic litigation to challenge um, 
the 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 veracity and the legality of the the bill itself or the if it was an act at that point if it passed into law i think there's a lot of awake people now who do have some resources who are willing to back something that might help because everybody um has a pretty good sense of how important but this would be the hill to die on wouldn't it oh look um because if you don't have these rights and these freedoms well, what's the what's the point? There's a lot of hills to die on. Um, there's a lot of hills to die on. Um, this is definitely one of them. Um, well, you're going to die once, so you've got to you've got to, <laughs> you've got to choose. Yeah, you've got to choose got to one. Choose. But yeah. I mean, we were talking about bodily autonomy before, and if that's not a hill to die on, I don't know what is. Right, the ability to control what you put into your own body. If that's not a hill to die on, you know, I. There's, yeah. I think that's possibly more serious than freedom of speech. Though, yeah, though, I mean, some of us decided not to do that, and yeah, and we did maintain our autonomy. But for many, there was a there was a price, so that was the to pay. That was the issue. But um, if if this is part of a the machinery of a, a of a kind of a slave culture then, yeah, I don't know which hill you die on, actually. Like you say, there are multiple, yeah. multiple maybe, hills. Yeah, um, maybe we don't have to die. Is that possible? Well, I, I hope so. But I, I guess, you know, what sort of effort is required and how far should people go in making that effort is really what I was thinking. I, I think we can't afford to to compromise on our base human principles. What are, you know, what are human rights? I, I say I'm a human rights lawyer, right? All that means is I am somebody who has studied the principles that our species has upheld as sacred for hundreds of thousands of years. And I'm not willing to allow them to be tarnished or breached. So I'm defending law that law comes from a, a Latin word meaning immutable truth. The immutable truths which govern our, our existence here as human beings, that's the law. We have modern versions and distillations of law. And everybody here, I, I think everybody listening, has a feeling of what that law is. I'm just talking about the truth. We interpret it in slightly different ways, maybe through particular you know, you can you can approach it through religion, you can approach it through spirituality, you can approach it through in many different ways. Um, but all of us are acting in a particular way because we're trying to defend that truth. And we can't afford to compromise in doing that at all, irrespective of the cost. And as long as enough of us do that, um, we'll be okay. But we do need numbers. Yeah, that's, that's a very good point. Because if we look at the last um, period of time, yeah, the numbers weren't there. The numbers uh, were persuaded yeah. Yeah. to another position, which to many yeah. of us didn't make any sense, and and it was actually morally repugnant, actually. But yet, they were persuaded. They went along with it, and you know, okay, I, I understand why people might be persuaded in a particular way. But how do you think the numbers fall on this? Then, do you think? Okay, you're talking about a prison colony mentality. That might be a unique thing to uh, Australia, and maybe it's there's a bit of that here too. Um, how Are the public ever going to be aware in the numbers enough to stop this, I guess is the question. Can you rely on your fellow Australians here, ultimately? 
Uh, it's a little bit of a question of faith, but I, I would say I have, um, I feel that critical mass has already been reached. Oh, in okay. Terms of the amount of people who are fully aware of what's going on. Um, I think that it's it's snowballing. So yeah, you're right. Over the past three years on balance, there was not enough people taking meaningful action. Otherwise, what happened wouldn't have happened. I'll give you one good news story from Australia that gave me hope. And th there isn't that many of them, let me tell you. But okay. in Western Australia, um, they the, the Department of Health there tried to implement a, a mandate for nurses, vaccine mandate for nurses. And so many nurses threatened to quit their jobs because they weren't willing to get the jab that the whole health system would have collapsed and they had no choice but to rever reverse the mandate it never actually went in okay um, so it is possible it is possible that has to happen on a collective level and just from my my conversation and, and my um my life now is just talking to people who are all trying to do the same thing in different ways and um the the i can see the volume exponentially increasing to where there's now people in major seats at universities and in government departments and um lots of doctors lots of there's 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 people everywhere um and it's not just a, a profession thing it, there's people in different areas of society like different um groups uh, culturally and in um it's just a lot of people know a lot of people know now and it's, I just think it would be impossible to implement something um, on a mass scale um, that deceived people to the same extent that COVID-19 did now. It'd be impossible to get anywhere near that level of deception. They'll still get some, but a lot more people now are smelling the, um, I was going to say the roses, but it's not a very good smell. The crap. Yeah. 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 Well, it's funny you mentioned that Western Australian experience, you know, the mandates barring nurses and doctors who haven't been jabbed um, in New Zealand are still in place. I, I learned that just recently through talking to... They must blow your mind. It's absolutely outrageous, uh, especially given the, the, the information that's coming now about, coming out now about the vaccines, not vaccines, the drugs um, um, containing contamination and... Um, yeah. having the potential to gen genetically modify um, the human being. Um, that's coming out in peer-reviewed papers now because of the mRNA technology used um, and the, its potential to do that. It's a ge genetically modified organism. Um, that's right. That's right. Um, I yeah. talked with uh, Dr. Peter McCullough a day or so ago, and he said, um, just as an aside, he said the reason that uh, uh, medicine on the whole is doggedly clinging to the position is that they were all recommending it and yeah. they're riven with guilt. And yeah. to admit that is almost, you know, like a bridge too far. It's psychologically almost impossible to admit. Yeah. I mean, a doctor's identity is built on um, some kind of justification they've given to themselves that they're helping people's health they're maintaining the health of the human population and to face the reality that they have contributed to the greatest um iatrogenic catastrophe in recorded history um that's some pill to swallow yeah it sure is it takes a bit of getting to yeah, to that. yeah. 
you got to warm up first. Yeah. 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 It's probably best to get the admissions out of the way, actually. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, get it out early. Yeah. Okay. So circling back, as they say to this, yeah. um, ultimately, um, what is the, t- cause you said that the, um, the timeline for submissions is being pushed out. I think you said earlier. So what is the timeline for this? And what do you think is going to happen here when it's all sort of washed up and ready, ready to go? Do you think um, it'll be shelved? They're going to try and do some form of it. How do you see it playing out? Or maybe you don't, you, it's too hard to tell. I don't know. It's a really interesting question. I've been thinking about this a lot because there's aspects of it that don't add up to me. Um, for example, this is one of the most poorly drafted pieces of legislation I've ever seen in my life. That's and interesting. It's so, and it's so bad. And look, I'm not the most experienced lawyer in the world, but I, I've, I've done a fair bit. And um, I've never seen something this poorly drafted to the is point. Is it amateur hour kind of? Uh, yeah, it, it's um, and it's it's the lack of foresight. You can't, you know, how the, the way that you know a piece of legislation is not good on a very basic level is if the key terms aren't defined. Because if the, the terms are defined in the bill, you avoid all the bullshit later where everybody's arguing about what it means. This not only does it not define all of the key terms, including some of the most important terms in the whole bill, but it contains those definitions I mentioned before, which they anybody has to know what that's going to lead to. It doesn't make any sense. So why is it so poorly drafted? Yeah. That's that's, yeah. that's the question I've been thinking about. It doesn't, you know, it, I don't think um, you could be this bad um, negligently, to be honest. So there's um, got to be an answer to that. Is there, are they, is there as like in, on the inside torpedoing effort of this? I mean, that's a really interesting perspective. Um, I hadn't thought of that. Maybe. You'd have to be dumb as a sack of rocks, wouldn't you, to get yeah. those fun. It's not as if they, they have only been drafting laws for the last few years. <laughs> I mean, you know. That's right. Yeah, that's right. Well, it could be. So it could, it could be that. I like that perspective. It's a positive one. Um, it could be that there's this thing going on where all of the systems that um, – were previously held to a particular standard. It, it felt like there was a standard of of um, integrity and and quality there. Um, they're more in a more and more brazen way, are kind of falling apart and and just um, not operating in a way you would expect. And it's possible that that's happening in Parliament and that's happening in these um, chambers where they're drafting legislation, for example. Um, but what I, what I think will actually happen is I think that um, there's been way too much backlash for it to go through. It won't even now the you know they're both wings of the same bird. But the coalition, the opposition here, um, is speaking out against the bill as well now, so it won't be able to pass. But I don't think they would have expected it to pass. I'm not sure if they were expecting such a massive public backlash. Um, I've been pretty heartened by that, by the amount of people who are actually looking at this stuff now, because I remember when no one was looking at it, um, but now everybody's really engaged and watching. Um, what will probably happen is they'll look at all the feedback, they'll look at the submissions, um, and they'll be like, well, we better get our act together here, and they'll amend it because it's still a bill. They'll just amend it, and there will be a more... A, a, 
a less negligent version put forward that achieves the same thing, but in a way that is a little harder to kind of see as see it for what it is. Um, I think they'll put forward like a better bill, a better drafted bill that is still dangerous for us and still um, something that we have to analyze, but we'll just have to be more um, diligent and, and, um, and just make sure we look at it with the same critical lens and, and make sure it doesn't cross any lines. So they won't give up. I mean, I don't think so because um, it doesn't seem like they've given up yet. It does seem like they've become quite desperate to me, but I don't think they've given up. Um, but you can't you can't operate all the other things that you want to operate without having this or some form of it, right? You need to. This, I think this would be better for them to have because it gives them more. But it's the same thing they're already doing. There's already agreements between the Australian government and social media with respect to what's allowed on the platform. Yeah, but any new platform, like for example, us here in New Zealand, yeah. Reality Check Radio, we're probably the only ones doing what we're doing. Yeah. We know they're listening to us. We know that, and we are a threat because yes. we 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 have a different point of view. It's the majority mainstream point of view, actually, when it boils down to it. I'm, I'm sure of that. But it goes against the power grab, let's say, mentality of what is being sort of forced top down. Yeah. These regimes are designed to take us out. Yes. Yes. This, yeah, exactly. They even refer to I, when I saw that the example they gave of the type of platform that it would cover was podcasts. Um, that was a pretty big flag that they understand the threat of new media and the well, fact look at Rogan. That, they know Rogan yeah. is the biggest. Oh yeah, it dwarfs everything live, transmitted, mainstream. It's a podcast. Yeah, yeah. So you're right. They they're trying to stifle um, the 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 our ability to use the internet to spread the truth. <laughs> That's the. That's the honesty. Basically, they can't stand having it. They've got to stamp it out. And mainstream media already operates in the regime, so they, they're they not a worry. They're not a concern unless they yeah. go rogue, you know. They, they're going to play the game. So that's why it's here. That's why it's coming. Yeah, and the, 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 the bill in Australia even, it didn't need to, but it, it gives an exception to mainstream media. Of course. Uh, and And they're allowed to do whatever they want, although obviously it's essentially like giving an exception to yourself. Yeah, well, they're um, part of the um, your information system or their information yeah. system, so that's yeah. okay. And the fact that it's failing and stalling is why this is being promoted because yes. you lose control. Anyway, we, we know all that. Anything, any final words, Peter, before we wrap up the chat? It's been fascinating, by the way. Yeah, no, I've enjoyed it very much. Thank you for having me here. I um, very much obviously support any platform that um, is um, embodying the the principle of free speech. Um, I I do believe that our ability to express ourselves is a basic human right. Um, obviously, it's the way that we communicate with each other. It's the way that we form relationships. It's the way that we form families and societies. Communication is what um, sets us apart from the animal kingdom to a large extent, our ability to actually um, relate with each other freely and uh, creatively and um, um, rationally. Um, so 
I'm very wary of anyone who tries to stifle or control that. History is littered of with examples of regimes who have tried to stifle freedom of expression, freedom of speech. It's always gone terribly. It just leads to greater distrust within the population as if they need that. Nobody trusts them anyway. Um, it's a desperate attempt to, to hold on, um, but I do believe that they're just kind of slowly slipping off anyway. And uh, platforms like this that are popping up are creating new um, versions of, of, of old things and communities are, are popping up everywhere. So it's just a matter of time and um, we have to take meaningful action to make sure that the transition continues in the way it's going. That's what I think. We, we can't um, afford not to stand up for what we believe in at this time in history. It's too dangerous. Peter Pham of Matt's Method Law Firm, human rights lawyer, who's um, put together the submission to the combating mis slash disinformation. I don't even like saying that. I'm, I'm so even <laughs> over saying that. I feel dirty saying that. Um, mis Disinformation Bill 2023, um, the Australian version, because there's a Canadian one, this one coming to our country soon. It's yeah. been great chatting with you. Keep up the great work and we may talk again. Sounds good. Thanks for having me, Paul. RCR with Paul Brennan, Reality Check Radio.